We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. idea what threats are out there we can't do this alone we need you i'm not what you think i am Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side, as always, in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. In this episode of Planet 8, we're going to be discussing the new Marvel film, Captain Marvel, and we want to go ahead and put out there a uh, spoiler alert. There are going to be a lot of spoilers throughout this podcast. Uh, I do want to make mention that our reconnaissance officer is actually here on Planet 8 proper. Karen, welcome to Planet 8. Well, thank you, Larry. Yes, you know, we had to do uh, some major overhauls on the satellite, so... Uh, in the meantime, I, I was able to beam into the command center, and uh, we've got our our robots doing some some work. You know, after we had that invasion from those dang aliens in Planet Nine, oh, uh, Planet Nine, yeah, there were a lot of problems. Those guys, I, I you know, I'm getting I'm getting pretty sick of it. But <laughs> anyway, it's good to be here in the command center. Well, again, welcome. Hey, let's kick it over to our chief engineer, Bob. Bob, tell us about Captain Marvel. What'd you think? You know, I went into it with a bit of trepidation just because I've heard all this negative, quote, press, whether it's fan press or whatever. But I really liked it. You know, I thought it was good. I was fine with Brie Larson's performance. My daughter brought it up to me. She saw the movie like a day before I did. And she brought it up to me that uh, that Brie Larson's performance is a lot like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hmm. And... Uh, just kind of, you know, the way Buffy would speak and act and things, which kind of makes sense because they're both taking place in the 90s. And uh, she's kind of like the smart aleck 90s type mm-hmm. rebel chick. So that performance fit. Now, is she going to still be that way years later when she shows up at Avengers HQ and takes on Thanos and all that? I don't know. But... But no, I really enjoyed it. I think if I had any complaint at all, it's that I would want to see more Coulson. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been <clears throat> I've been watching uh, Ages of Shield all these years, and you know I've been, and of course seeing him in Avengers and all the previous Marvel movies. It's like yeah, I've gotten a pretty good affinity towards the Coulson character. So I was really excited he was going to be in Captain Marvel, and then you know, it was like right. Limited, I'll just say it was, it was limited, so I uh, would have wanted to see more Coulson. But I thought the dynamic between uh, Carol Danvers and Nick Fury was really good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought, uh, and they had, worked, had worked, they had worked well together before. They were both in Kong Skull Island together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, you know, they have a uh, personal friendship outside of the movies, and it kind of shows... In the, in the movie itself, you know. It's, and so, yeah, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to hopefully some more. On the Next month? Well, yeah, in game. I mean, just more Captain Marvel oh, and solo features, features, you know. I assume she's got a trilogy coming, just like most of the others had. It depends on what happens in Endgame. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Karen, she's she's supposed to be a big focus going forward. Though, <clears throat> I know. I'm, yeah. I'm just playing around. Karen, what did you think of the film? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I Like Bob, I, I guess I also went in with um, a little bit of trepidation, but 
mine was more from the sense of growing up having read um, Jim Starlin's Captain Marvel comics. So to me, that was my hero. And even though I had been aware of um, Ms. Marvel when Captain, the current Captain Marvel was called Ms. Marvel, and I've been aware of that, I, in my heart, I always think of Captain Marvel as uh, the male uh, Captain Marvel. So uh, I had a little reservation when I went to the movie, but no, I really enjoyed it. I like all these Marvel space opera type movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the space action. And uh, yeah, I thought she did a, a pretty good job. And, and uh, the story about her trying to uncover her true identity, I think, is very relatable. Um, it was very interesting and good uh, good relationships between the characters. So that was that was a lot of fun and just uh, a lot of world building going on too. So that was that was cool to see. Well, what did you think of the uh, the whole role reversal thing between the Kree and the Scrolls? Yeah, that was unexpected. So that was a nice turn as well because we always think of the Scrolls as being these creepy, nasty aliens, the right. shapeshifters, mm-hmm. and then we find out that they've been done wrong by the Kree. Um, and I thought that was handled really well. It's like, oh yeah, the Kree are kind of these imperialistic pastors who go out and, <laughs> and take over all these planets, and they're using this, making them look like terrorists. And uh, I thought that was an interesting turn. So. Nicely done, and the guy who played the the chief Cree, uh, Talos, I think it, it's the actor's name Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, he was in uh, Rogue One. Yes, he was. That's right. Uh, yeah, nice job on his part. A little jokey. Sometimes I think Marvel goes a little far with the jokes, um, but uh, it was a enjoyable performance. Yeah, I actually thought yes, there's jokes in this, but I, it, it's not as far as like Thor Ragnarok yeah. or one of the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, so I was I was happy because I was kind of, after Thor Ragnarok, I thought, okay, and now Ant-Man, it's like, ah, they're, they're going to be ramping up the humor and this is going to be like Comedy City the rest of the way. And <laughs> luckily it's not because you really can't do that with Endgame. I mean, it's got to be something pretty intense. And, you know, they'll have, of course, they'll have humor in it. But, you know, kind of like Infinity War, but they at least toned it down for that. So, yeah. so that's good. They kind of know where to. I think they're finding a good balance in the humor. I, like I say, I thought Thor was a little over the top, but Ragnarok. Larry, I you know, with over ten years <coughs> worth of Marvel movies and um, and the comic books, God for decades, you know, I was never a big um, reader of Captain Marvel growing up. I, I knew of the character because of other books that I would read. So I didn't really have any preconceived expectations or notions on, on how the film should go. Uh, I love what they did with the scroll. I, I had a lot of fun with Coulson and Nick Fury, you know, kind of them in the uh, beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, how Nick got the eye patch. Um, so I, saw a lot of, I saw a lot of people online complaining about that. I mean, it's kind of... I guess people would want to see Nick Fury in some big battle and lose his eye, but that's the beauty of it <laughs> to me. You know, and I, I like abstract humor and, and just you know twists. Um, when I first saw Thor Ragnarok, I didn't care for it too much. I saw it theatrically uh, once, and then uh, when I got the uh, Blu-ray, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Apple, I saw it at home, and I just fell in love with that movie and the Devil's Anus. Karen's been uh, visiting. For a couple days here on Planet Eight, I've heard so much about the Devil's Anus. <sighs> it's your birthday. <laughs> you know, I can't um, say enough good things about Thor Ragnarok and all the little in jokes. With Ant Man, I can see joking around. You know, it's just that kind of a an actor who's portraying Ant Man. With Thor, it's like the God of Thunder. He's fifteen hundred years old. Ragnarok and all this kind of stuff, um, but it worked. Um, Captain Marvel, uh, like I said, with 10 years worth of films, I, 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 I liked it. I didn't love it, but I've only seen it twice. So the jury's still out overall. Well, yeah, I mean, Marvel as a whole in the comics, they always had humor. 
Uh, yeah. Look at Spider-Man. He'd be joking every other line <clears throat> and he's, as he's fighting to the death of somebody. The thing in the human uh, torch. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, humor is definitely a big part of Marvel. Like I said, I just thought, see, Thor Ragnarok was more kind of like slapstick humor. A, yeah. a lot of it, it zany. A lot of it was zany, yeah. yeah. Which I thought, you know, that they could do without. Now, I do enjoy the humor in a Thor movie where it's it kind of plays on his view of Earth or, you know, how he interacts being a Norse god with plain earthlings or whatever. What about Loki yeah. pretending to be Odin? Did you think that was funny in that whole little production that he was watching? And um, Or that was too jokey? No, parts of it were okay. I mean, mm-hmm. when he realizes that, oh, crap, Thor's here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's the god of mischief, so, you mm-hmm. know. And here we're getting on a whole Thor Ragnarok. I know. We're, 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 we got a Marvel. We haven't brought up Popeye here. yet, so. But, but no, I mean, just like, you know, when Thor has that, he's holding that big red ball or whatever, and he, like, throw, he makes a point and throws it, and it comes back and hits him in the head. I mean, you don't, you don't need that. I mean, come on. You know. but, but going back to Captain Marvel, I'm glad that they did not have that kind of slapstick type humor. Although the the cat was a little much for me. I liked Goose, too. I thought that was, you know, Fury's like kissing it and putting it in the face of the scroll. I was like, oh my God, don't do that. You know, it's like, what? It's a cat, you know? Yeah. No, it was good. Especially the uh, after credit scene. Final one was funny. The the one yeah. with Cap was amazing. I was like, oh. Let me ask you guys, what did you think of the, um, the homage to Stan Lee in the beginning of the... Um, of the film, Bob? Well, I choked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't usually cry at movies, but I did choke up. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really well done. I think, it, unfortunately, someone on Facebook spoiled it before I got in there. Oh. But, um, yeah, I, I thought if it was, you know, a great surprise if it wasn't spoiled. Mm-hmm. But, um, but to, you know, even seeing it, it was just like, okay, you know, this is, this is really cool. That's what I thought. I mean, you know, because usually it's like in memory of, you know, Gene Roddenberry or, you know, whoever. And it's a nice little, you know, homage. But this was like, you know, him, part mm-hmm. of the flipping of the comic books. Karen, you saw it the first time, what'd you think? Yeah, that that was really something special to see his image over and over and see right. from, you know, they took from the different cameos and the films and you just realize his his impact and his importance the, the fact that they were acknowledging his importance and i know people will say well it was other people too who were involved sure. well okay yeah that's great but stan just passed let's acknowledge his importance and i know both times that i saw the film um the audience broke out clapping mm-hmm. people recognize stan they know you know he was always the face of marvel um whatever you think of that i don't care he was the face of Marvel. He was the one who made us feel like we were part of the Marvel family. Right. Um, so I thought that was a beautiful moment. And I really, really um, appreciate that Marvel Studios did that. Let me ask you guys, have you ever had an opportunity, I know, Karen, you have, to meet Stan at a convention and get an autograph or whatever, have a little discussion. Um, Bob? I have, have not. I'll, no. I'll have to pass. have to pass. Karen? You have a lovely story of meeting Stan, and it's like he asks, "What, what did you, you know, what's your favorite character, or something like that, and why?" Wasn't it some kind of conversation like that? Oh no! Well, you know, I've told this story before about um, I had an autograph already from Jack Kirby, and I took up the same paper <laughs> to have Stan sign it. And at that time, they weren't getting along very well, but he was a gentleman; he signed it. Um, and then I also, when I was writing for Back Issue Magazine. Uh, my editor gave me Stan's email to write him because I was writing an article on Thor, and I was like, "Really? I can I can email Stan Lee?" And he says, "Yeah, go ahead. It's okay." And uh, yeah, I had a brief exchange with Stan about his time writing Thor, and that was just such a thrill. And the language he he just it was like you know he was doing his Stan Lee persona. He was like, right. "Oh yes, true believer. Yeah, I wrote this <laughs> and blah blah blah." So yeah, it's just you know obviously a thrill to interact with your heroes. And it, it's great that he had that rapport with with the fans. Let me ask you guys this. The other thing, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and so it was really touching to me when uh, 
Stan's cameo in this movie was him looking at the script from Mallrats, which is, you know, fits the time period. Mm -hmm. um, did you guys think that was kind of cute or? It's sort of a, a paradox, though, because in Mallrats, he plays himself, who created the Marvel Universe. So he's reading the script for <laughs> it's. Right. Yeah. It begs the question just who is Stan Lee in these cameos? Right. Kind of hit a Twilight Zone moment there with that paradox. Kevin Smith had put out on social media now that he's in the Marvel U, did he survive the snap? Uh, <laughs> Obviously, he did since he's still around. But. Yeah, well. So, going through, through the film, once we find out who Lawson is, and, and we talked about Marvell. What did you guys feel about uh, Carol discovering that her mentor is actually, you know, the villain and these scrolls that she was convinced were the enemy turn out to be, you know, not innocent, but victims of <clears throat> that tyranny? I think, I think that's what a lot of people seem to have a problem with. What do you think that Bob? Just because it strays so far from the comic book mythos. Mm. I'm not complaining about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was reading comics, you know, it was the uh, the green and white Captain Marvel and yeah, yeah. Carol Danvers. I think it just become like Ms. Marvel, mm -hmm. but I never really read the comics with the uh, Carol Danvers Captain Marvel, but. Carol Danvers has been around since like 1968 in various comics, just kind of as a sub character, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually, through an accident, she gains her powers and eventually becomes, takes the mantle of Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you can't take 40, 50 years of history and condense it into a two hour movie. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I tend to like not be real big on origin stories because they tend to drag. Mm. But so I think you know with this one they kind of kind of doing the origin in a flashback. It kind of kept it moving. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point, Karen. Well, I think anytime you cast Jude Law, you have to be suspicious of his motives. <laughs> um, and and going into it knowing he was playing Yon Rog, who had always been the original Captain Marvel's adversary, it seemed like something fishy was going to happen. Um, and, and honestly, so the, the first comics that I came into as a reader, um, one of them was the Kree Scroll War in Avengers. So this was right up my alley. I always saw both the Kree and the Scrolls, pretty bad people. Uh, so it was no surprise, really, that the, the Kree had been monkeying around with Carol, I guess. Um, so yeah, I didn't have any problem. It was it was kind of a surprise that the scrolls weren't bad, also, that they were just uh, you know they had been uh, abused basically. Um, but I, I liked all the stuff we got to see about uh, you know the Cree homeworld. I was a little surprised the supreme intelligence wasn't like a big green head with tentacles sticking out of it inside <laughs> of a tank. I was I was looking for the Jack Kirby version of the Supreme Intelligence and instead we got Annette Benning, so that was a little well, they, they surprising. Did say, they did say that no one's ever seen the, the real Supreme The true version. So maybe in another movie we'll, yes. she'll like pull down the curtain and there'll be this big green head sitting there. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's I, I like what they did with the character. I like that we have this... Uh, you know, powerful female hero now, because a lot of the Marvel heroines are very much like martial artists, that kind of thing. I mean, Scarlet Witch isn't, but a lot of the others are pretty much hand-to-hand -hand combatants. So now you have this character who's very powerful. Now, the problem I have, and some people will give me crap for this, because yeah, I already have tell. crap, yes. <laughs> um, Kevin Feige said that Captain Marvel is the most powerful hero in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I have an issue with this because Thor is a god. Yes. I, I, and Thor is my guy. <laughs> and I just think if you have a god of thunder, he's, he's got to be, and, and look what he did in Infinity War. Look what he did in Ragnarok. He's got to be the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe. But hasn't Hulk always been more powerful than Thor? Well, 
Hulk is strong. He, they, well, they've gone toe to toe many, many times, and it's been a, you know, most of the time a tie. And and look what he did to him in in Ragnarok. Thor would have right. whooped Hulk's butt if the Grandmaster hadn't intervened. And now, so so Thor has done all this stuff, almost almost beat Thanos. And then all of a sudden, Captain Marvel's going to come in and and have the title of the most powerful hero put upon her. And I just, I just. It's not fair to Thor. It's just not fair. <laughs> Poor I'm sorry. Thor. <laughs> Thor. We'll uh, we'll need to touch on that in another podcast. Most powerful uh, character in the Marvel U, the cinematic Marvel U. Um, you know, like I said, uh, opening up, I was never into Marvel, so I had no idea the history between um, the two characters and being the adversary. So um, it was a lot of fun watching that unfold. The other thing that really um, worked for me that I enjoyed was the choice of music uh, from the period. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, in time, I thought that was a lot of fun uh, working it into the movie. Now, let me ask you this, because I know I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a long time, and Karen, I'm not sure if you ever... I watched the first few seasons. You watched the first few seasons. Bob, you're going to be the, the go-to guy uh, on this, but I when they uh, get into the base, Pegasus, and they're looking at the documents, and um, uh, Fury says, well, Lawson was just crazy. And, she, you know, uh, Carol looks and says, it's not crazy, that's Cree uh, uh, petroglyphs or... Glyphs. Glyphs or whatever. Yeah, right. Isn't that what Coulson was writing on the wall once he got the Cree? Was it Cree serum or Cree blood that resurrected him, the whole Tahiti thing? Yeah, it was like a blood transplant or transfusion from the tree. Did it heal him or did it resurrect him? I don't even remember. Um, that I story thought it line. resurrected him because he was pretty dead. In he was dead. <laughs> well, you know, he's a healing boot. Who knows? But yeah, it was a whole thing to bring him back, and so yeah, it was. So yeah, there was, there was always the mystery of you know if he has these yeah Cree powers in him or whatever, but. But yeah, the Kree definitely. There was a whole subplot with the Kree and Agents of Shield, but um, seeing that book made me think of Coulson. You know, I remember him writing on the wall. Right. I'm like that was kind of like a nice little tie into the TV show, as opposed to the Marvel which is interesting because cinemas. usually Marvel likes to keep the two totally separate. You know, uh, the the TV have, show and the yeah, I mean there have been references to the movies in the TV show. I remember Sif guest starred on one of the yeah. TV shows. But there hasn't been references to the TV shows in the movies. Mm. Now, whether that's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Daredevil or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or any of that. You know, right. It's like, um, they're two seem like totally different worlds, although every once in a while in, in the Netflix series, they will reference the, the Battle of New York or, right, right, right. or what's going on. So, um, and even in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, this last season, they were referencing the whole Thanos. They didn't, like, say, you know, Thanos is invading or anything like that, but they are like, you know, there's this giant battle and we need to get there. And all mm. that, you know. So they kind of, in an offhand way, reference it. Reference. It's acknowledged that it's happened or happening. And that whatever. it is happening, yeah. <clears throat> and they never got, I don't think last season, never got to the point of the snap. So I don't know if this next season is going to touch on that or if it's just going to be happening hmm. after the snap or whatever. But Let me ask you guys this now. You know, the, the post uh, scene where uh, they're running the pager and running the numbers, how many people have disappeared, you know, after the snap. And, uh, and then Captain Marvel shows up. Do you think Captain Marvel was aware before Nick hit the, or Fury, because everybody calls him Fury, uh, push the button. If she was aware of Thanos destroying Nova Prime, looking for the stones, what was Marvel Captain Marvel doing? Do you think prior to Nick pushing she, the? She had to have some kind of idea because when, when she's Captain snapped, Marvel. <laughs> well, no, not just that, but when he snapped, he he destroyed half the life throughout the universe, not just on Earth. Yeah. Right. So wherever she was, whatever she was doing. Suddenly, half the people around her, poof, turned to dust. Yeah, but my question is, don't you think, or I'm thinking, 
there's all this subspace banter or oh, news going around. Hey, even, someone's going for the gems. Even so, even before the snap. Even before the snap, she might have mm-hmm. known. Oh, this guy is going after, and people knew about Thanos because I would think you know Nova right, Prime because, being a big part of that cinematic universe. Right, because we knew in uh, what was it in Guardians when uh, Ronan was, I think, working with him to get the power gem. Right. And, yeah. So. She, you would think she would be on top of it, but I don't know. It's a big universe. Maybe she was out there <laughs> doing something else. She I want to know why she hasn't aged in yeah. all this time. She looks exactly the same as she did. Uh, well, it could be when she. 20. See, that would be a sticky wicket because they could say, well, since she got her powers, she doesn't age. That's what I was saying. She's, a, about she's a big part of the Marvel Universe for the next 10 years. Brie Larson is going to age. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, not necessarily because Sam Jackson. Well, that's true. You know, with technology, they can make her look like Sam Jackson if they wanted to, I guess. But I don't we, think they're going to want to have a different a movie character in movies throughout the next ten years that they have to touch up or use effects on and keep young and whatever. I, it's like, I don't know. I was telling Karen we were talking actually at breakfast or something, and it would be kind of interesting to have a Nick Fury and uh, Phil Coulson movie with them going out and doing a shield adventure together their younger selves well they could do anything at this point now yeah. i don't know that is a lot of money to spend on effects though every every shot they'd have to well, that was, that was kind of... for those characters true but if you look at star wars what they did with peter cushing and um you know yeah those were that was that was not good yeah well, i, I mean, thought peter cushing you... looked fantastic yeah, in that movie but... We should, we should say that for another podcast. Let's <laughs> not stray now. <laughs> well, so overall then, uh, as far as the film, you thought it worked for you, Karen? I mean, just it hit the right beats it, for a it Marvel? It did. You know, the one thing I'm wondering about, though, is almost all of these heroes <laughs> have some sort of flaw or issue that they have to kind of resolve and... For her, I mean, her big thing was finding her identity. I don't know what moving forward her her issue kind of will be, um, but I, I think it's interesting. I think it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm definitely interested to see how she's going to interact with the Avengers and all the other characters. Right. And and I liked also the fact that she had that really strong friendship with her um, her friend, the other pilot. Um, and it's a good movie, I think. Honestly, for for girls to have a nice role model of a, a hero too. I know growing True. up, you know, I mean, hey, all my favorite characters are male characters. You know why? Because when I grew That's up, there weren't a lot of right. female characters. So good for them. I'm glad they did it, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Cool. Where, where was Wonder Woman when you were growing up? Well, Wonder <laughs> Woman often was still getting rescued by Steve Trevor. So. <laughs> What'd you think, G? Overall. Well, like I said, it said at the beginning. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was a good. I mean, it wasn't like an awe-inspiring greatest ever Marvel movie. Yeah. But it was a good film, mm-hmm. I thought, and uh, the character has a lot of potential going forward, whether it's an end game or, or future solo efforts. But um, no, I, I thought it was good. Yeah, just give me more Coulson. That's all. <laughs> Well, I, I enjoyed it too, and I think it's going to be interesting going forward, uh, not just with Endgame, but uh, you know, Captain Marvel two and three, where they take her. Um, obviously, it's going to be a you know galactic uh, space adventure. Um, let me go back to Bob and then Karen. Where do you think they can take the Captain Marvel two? Do you think they'd be better off kind of doing more of a comic book story as they have been doing, or little bit of both or um like i said i'm, I'm not a big reader of, of captain marvel so i wouldn't have a guess i you know i just have to throw something off the top of my head well um, yeah i'm not <coughs> familiar with captain marvel's rogue gallery but um i guess it begs the question is is the sequel going to take place in the 90s right in the early or, 2000s mm-hmm. or oh, or is question. it going to carry on from wherever she ends up in Endgame. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know? I mean, they could go back and, you know, to do a sequel to this movie and just do a whole thing about her 
you know, what she's doing out in the galaxy, you know, what she's, uh, she's obviously trying to help the, the scrolls find a new home. There was that. She sent the guy back to the Cree home world and he's like, no, I can't go back. And yes, right. you, you will go back empty handed. And she said she was going to go back and <clears throat> take care of all of it. Yeah. Right. So, well, plus when they left, it was like, you know, we'll be back for the weapon. And they were like, uh, right, oh, right. And he right. was referring to her. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of possibilities just within these, you know, 20 years between Captain Marvel and the current MCU universe that they probably have plenty of stories they can, they can plan. Right, because, you know, Ronan is going to exist from Captain Marvel's, you know, start point. To the Guardians movie, right? So there's all that time. Well, it's similar to what they're doing with Wonder Woman, right? They're doing this next movie. Her first movie was during World War One era. Right. Now they're doing, the next one is in the 80s, I think. And Wonder Woman 84 is what I think they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, so they could do the same thing. They can so that begs my question, line. and we'll probably touch on this whenever that comes out, but what the heck is Steve Trevor doing in the 1980s? That's a good question. Saving Wonder Woman, of yeah, course. Probably, yeah, probably, <laughs> And not, like a, not looking like an 80-year-old man. That is a, a very, very good question. And why is nobody promoting this Wonder Woman movie? Many people were putting out uh, things on the interwebs that they, they didn't promote the first movie. And everyone's like, hey, it's a month away. Where are the trailers? Where are the TV spots where there was nothing? And here we come again. See, now that... That big, you know, getting back to Captain Marvel and the Marvel Universe. <laughs> um, that begs the question of why wasn't there an Endgame trailer with Captain Marvel? What, what were the trailers that you... Uh... They had Spider-Man, oh. which really should not have been promoted until after Endgame and maybe come out later because, True. you know, Sony's just kind of like, spoiler, yeah. Spider-Man is alive. Hmm. But... Um, we also had uh, the X-Men Dark, uh, Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix oh. movie. Those are only Marvel movies that they had. Well, we had Disney uh, trailers, Dumbo and... Um, Frozen 2. Frozen well, we, 2. Yeah, we had Frozen 2 and we had Lion King. Godzilla. Oh, yeah, we, we had Godzilla, Godzilla the second time. We for Godzilla, but... Oh, that looked... I, I hadn't seen it on the big screen. I've seen it on yeah. you know, my iPad up to that point. Oh. That's going to be a fun movie. Well, we'll definitely talk about Godzilla. Definitely. <clears throat> but, but as Bob said, back to Captain Marvel. Back to Captain Marvel. <laughs> we, we, I think we strayed more this episode than we have in any previous episode. But, yeah, what can you, what can you do? Well, you know. It but um, It happens. But, yeah, no, Captain Marvel, I think, uh, you know, she's supposed to spearhead the future of Marvel. I mean, she's supposed to be, like, Iron Man. Well, yeah, Iron Man was the first 10 years, and she's supposed right. to be the next, like, 10 years. So hopefully Brie Larson doesn't get bored of the character and walk away at some point. Well, I, I was but, actually on Twitter, and there was some video footage of her going to a couple of movie uh, theaters and welcoming um, folks to the movie beforehand. She had her little, like, a sweatshirt of, oh, of Captain yeah, Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. yeah, with her Captain Marvel cup of coke. Yeah. yeah. So she's, you know, whether it was a studio telling her you're going to well, promote that kind of, it or... That started with Black Panther. Ryan Coogler, director of Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, showed up at a few theaters. In fact, somebody I worked with saw Black Panther opening night uh, at the Sony Metreon, and he showed up there. Oh, nice. So, because he's from Oakland. Mm-hmm. So he's just across the bay. But, um, so I kind of started there, and I guess they're carrying on the tradition. Now, that doesn't mean that Tom Holland is suddenly going to show up as a theater, <laughs> you know, somewhere, but uh, maybe he will. You never know. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's a nice little touch, and it makes a nice little YouTube video that people can share. And, oh, look what they're doing. But, but yeah, I think, you know, promoting the movies, I mean, they promoted the bejeebus out of Captain Marvel. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And I think maybe they think that uh, Endgame kind of promotes itself because there really hasn't been a lot of... I mean, even like the trailers, they're not showing you a whole lot of what's yeah. going on. And this, they've kept the wraps on this movie better than I think anyone mm-hmm. has ever kept the wraps on a movie. Uh, I think it's a smart yeah. thing. Post, post-internet. Yeah. You know? yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there used to be surprises in movies like, you know, like Darth Vader's Luke's father, what? Yeah. You know, and, and the spoilers don't get out because there wasn't the internet to communicate the spoilers. But now that there is, and it seems like every little detail of every little movie comes out. And that's why been... I avoid, you know, as much as I can, Facebook and Twitter and print. It, 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 because people put stuff. I would have been so disappointed had they ruined the Stan Lee, you know, beginning well, of the movie. Somebody I mean, did. That's yeah. just like, well, that's and it was, you, a, it was a good friend too. <laughs> you, you have to really, because yeah, there were a couple things I learned about this film just looking at other people's Twitter and Facebook feeds. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, like, some people get to go on preview nights and for whatever reason feel the need to like disclose well, things. Well, isn't Endgame coming out like in foreign markets like a week or two before it comes out here? Oh, that I, I didn't it, hear. Usually that happens. I don't yeah. know if they're doing that again. But I don't know if it's if it's Europe or France or somewhere getting it like a week before. You oh, just have I, to basically close down all yeah. your, your Well, see, that goes to show you I stay away from all news, so I don't know. Well, anyway, you're getting back to my point, though, is they've done an excellent job keeping all this a secret. Good. I have yeah, no yeah. clue what's going to go on in Endgame except for those little tidbits I've seen in trailers. But, but do you really want to know what's going no, on in Endgame? No, I don't. I'd rather so. be totally surprised going in. I may have to like go internet blank for like <laughs> exactly days. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, just I'm leaving the internet. I'm <laughs> not going to look at anything just for two weeks until go, Endgame go comes camping, out. Camping, go on a camping trip. Yeah, yeah. Camping, <laughs> or go up the hills. Uh, it's going to go off in a cave somewhere and just <laughs> wait for it to come out in theaters. But uh, but no, I think it's really good that they're keeping it a secret. And like I say, it was a major spoiler for Sony to announce Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. And, you know, it's like, hey, you know, look at, hey, Nick Fury's alive. Spider-Man's alive. What the hell happened? You know? Yeah. But, though the interesting thing is... You see that that happy uh, happy Hogan's alive and might be dating Aunt May. So surprise, oh surprise, oh my! And, and on that big check that he's holding in the trailer, the signature on there is Pepper Potts. Not double, oh my! Even though Gwyneth Paltrow said no more after Endgame. I guess her signature lives on. But well, that, <laughs> she just that's... wants to sell her goop. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but you throw Disney money at anyone, they'll come back for anything, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she. Uh, so she lives on at least in spirit. Now it's interesting that it was from the Stark Foundation or whatever, and Tony didn't sign it. But I guess yeah, she's technically he has she's made technically a CEO. So oh, yeah, exactly, she can, she can sign checks. She runs the business, but, you know. Because the big, you know, the big question is, in Endgame, who's going to make the big sacrifice? You know, what individual or individuals are going to sacrifice themselves to bring people back? Welcome to the Endgame pre-show. Yeah, That's right. Captain Marvel, surprise, surprise. Well, no I mean, the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that Endgame comes out like just a little over a month after Captain Marvel, it's like, well, yeah, one definitely is going to lead into the other. It makes me think that Captain Marvel is going to have a big part in Endgame, and they needed to get her oh, yeah. movie out before See, that's, she that's saves. the interesting thing, because uh, Avengers weren't supposed to come out until May. And it's like, okay, that's pretty quick after Captain Marvel. And then they moved it up even closer, so right. there's got to be some big old tie right there that, that they don't want slipping out well, one of the things that I did read, and I, I, like I said, try to stay away from all this stuff, is Marvel's going to take a break on releasing any films after Avengers Endgame. Sony's going to do whatever they want. Obviously, they have Spider-Man and Venom. And they're coming out with some other... Morbius. Morbius, that's what it was, the vampire. Um, right, but, but Marvel said, we're going to give eight or nine months a uh, break before we release any other Marvel uh, stuff. So... Well, see, that's what is that? I mean, they could be filming something now, but they haven't even announced what's coming out. You know, it's like nothing's in production, nothing's in pre-production that they're letting us know, right? So, I mean, they're doing really good keeping the secrets, especially in this age of 
not being able to keep secrets. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Captain Marvel in Endgame because, you know, you've had all these other heroes that have been there for the last 10 years, 7 years, 3 years, 2 years, you know, Panther and, and all those other guys. Here comes Captain Marvel, and, and what is her part in this going to well, be? Well, the big question is, is she going to steal the thunder? No pun intended. No. From, oh, Thor, wow. from Thor and the other Avengers. Well, I mean, you know, here she they can are. destroy a star cruiser pretty quickly. <laughs> well, that's true. But she, uh, she's a newcomer, and everybody's like root for the Avengers to put this right. Wow. So is she going to, like I say, steal the thunder and yeah. whoop Thanos' butt and save the day? And everyone else says, "Thank you, Captain Marvel." Yeah. Yeah. We will see. These guys are smart enough, the Russo brothers are smart enough to know that the fans need to have that moment with some of the key Avengers where, and it, where I think we're all anticipating some sort of sacrifice, which makes me sad, but it, it's what we need from the story, right? You well, need right. that, and you need those key Avengers. I'm sure she'll do something, but that key moment has to come from the guys we, and girls that we've been following. Well, all these yeah, years. I mean, if you look at things post-snap and, and pre- Endgame, they pared it right down to the original Avengers. Right. Outside for a rocket. Right, and War Machine, but he's been there a long time too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they kind of brought it back to basics, and and then this will be, I guess, the big transition between the old guard and the new guard. Yeah, handing off the baton. But here's the other question. Here's another Marvel question for you. If you're going to take away the old guard of Iron Man, Captain America... I don't know what the future is for Thor and Hulk and that. Obviously, Black Widow's going to have her own movie. Do some of these newer characters, are they strong enough to carry it through the next 10 years or become the new Avengers or whatever? Uh, yeah. Know. We'll see, huh? And keep in mind, I guess, uh, you know, they've also got Fantastic Four to throw in there and all that good, right? It's coming. And they have Silver Surfer and everything else. You know, so they spent a ton of money. They're coming. So it'd be interesting because they just supposedly they just wrapped Endgame as far as uh, the editing goes. You know, as of like middle of March, they they're done editing. Yeah, they probably still have sound still. work and music and whatever to do, but. You know, what's the final edit? It's supposed to be three hours long. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And uh, if they're not going to release a Marvel movie for another eight or nine months or whatever, what's the post-credit sequence going to be? Is it going to tease that? Spider-Man. Cap and Peggy dancing at the USO together. <laughs> and make me cry. Oh, I know. You'll have big man tears. I will. <laughs> Hey, on that note, <laughs> before I choke up anymore, part in a podcast where we get to our um, sensor suite. Thank you very much. You're I'm, I'm still tearing just, up here. I'm trying to so collect my. Can't do. Um, <clears throat> Chief Engineer Bob will be providing this uh, episode sensor suite. Bob, if you will. Well, this episode, instead of doing a product or spotlighting an item, I thought I'd talk a little bit about the Rondo Awards. And what are the Rondo Awards, sir? The Rondo Awards has been around for a while, and it's basically uh, a little statuette based on Rondo Hatton, the actor from uh, all the older films, who had a very distinctive look. And uh, basically it honors movies, TV shows, fan contributions to horror, science fiction, etc. So what I did is I kind of combed through all the uh, nominees for this this year. And I'm going to have a couple of uh, things to bring up and kind of suggestions that hopefully people will take to heart. Cue subliminal music. Uh, basically, uh, in the category of Book of the Year, Friends of the Podcast, Ray and Gail Orwig, their Yay. book which we spoke to them at length about, called Where Monsters Walked, is up for Book of the Year. So definitely go there, give them a vote. And if you want to go back to Episode 7 of Planet 8, 
you can listen to us talk to Ray and Gail about the book. Yes. And uh, then, let's see, what else do we come to? Best website. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to put in a personal plug here. In addition to uh, Planet 8 and doing events with Bay Area Film Events, uh, I'm also involved, co-owner and co-editor of Sci-Fi Japan with with the great friend Keith Aiken. And uh, we are up for a rondo for best website. Yay! So, and that's a fun website, actually. Please too. go and, and vote for us. And if you haven't checked it out before, go and check out sci-fi-japan.com for all your latest and greatest news on the world of Japanese fantasy, science fiction, horror, etc., etc. Uh, moving on, we have best multimedia website slash podcast. Mm. Ooh. Like, basic category near and dear to our hearts. Um, there are two, actually, we'll say three. But there are two that are nominated <laughs> that uh, I would suggest looking into. And that would be the Kaiju Cast, which is Kyle Yount's uh, podcast devoted to Godzilla and all his rubber suited foes. And Basically, Kyle's been doing this for about 10 years now. Wow. And he was a big help in getting Planet 8 off the ground, just helping us with some technical advice and the do's and don'ts and how to do things. So, uh, And I've been friends with Kyle for a long, long time. So definitely give him a vote. Also up for uh, best multimedia website slash podcast is the is Monster Kid Radio. Yes. Who yeah. uh, we've become good friends with. You heard their promo on our show and... Hopefully you've heard our promo on their show. So give them a vote. And then, uh, you know, there's this little podcast called Planet 8 that really, really isn't nominated. But there is a write-in category. So if you want to write in Planet 8, we wouldn't expect to win. But if we get enough write-ins, then maybe, just maybe, we'll get nominated next year or in future years. So definitely give us a shout-out. Uh, the next one would be favorite horror host. Now, this category is pretty much won by Sven Gulli every year. <laughs> As hey, he's national, nationwide on MeTV and all that. So uh, you know, of course, everybody's going to vote for him, or they're going to vote for Elvira, or they're going to vote for you know somebody like that. We say you should go and for, vote for Lord Bloodraw. That's yeah. right. Who is up for the award and deserves it? And uh, if you want to hear more about or more from Lord Bloodraw. He was on episode 8 of Planet 8 with us talking about uh, Universal Monsters. He was also on episode 11 talking about horror hosts. So uh, check those out. Listen, Give a listen to Lord Bloodraw and go and vote for him at the uh, Rondo Awards. Best convention? Well, we did a whole episode on episode 16 where we talked about our favorite <laughs> conventions and things. And uh, I would just put a personal vote in for Monster Palooza because that's kind of my uh, my favorite con out there. Um, best CD. Um, we have Entrada. It releases really just really excellent uh, soundtracks, and they went back and re-recorded the entire and found the entire soundtrack for Valley of Guanji. Ooh! So that would be a cool one to vote for for yeah. best CDs. So go over to Rondo Awards at www.rondoaward.com and uh, it's been around since 2002 and uh, there are other categories you can vote for best novel, best movie, etc, etc but these are the categories that are sort of near and dear to our hearts and uh, we hope you'll take our suggestion and uh, our suggestions and go out and cast your vote Vote early and often. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's get everybody their well-deserved rondos. Yay. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off.
End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.